0: Hey guys, how are you doing today? Can I get you started with something to drink?
1: Is your aging loved one home alone, forgetting to take medicine or pay bills? The Caregiver Cafe with Roz Jones has a menu of resources to serve your caregiver needs. As a caregiver, Roz understands your daily challenges. This podcast focuses on the unique and dynamic issues of caregiving.
2: Hi, I'm Ross Jones, and we're coming back now with part two of Arthur and Angela. And earlier, uh, you all dined, as I said, dined sufficiently on their on their love story. It's the cutest little thing how they met and how they got together, and they have this large Italian family with children and grandchildren and. A whole lot of eating and so now
3: <laughs> <a true> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so now you know arthur arthur reminds me of my father my father had oh. a harley fat boy uh motorcycle oh, wonderful. yeah and so uh, similar to what you know with you my dad kept having uh tumbles with his motorcycle and so my mom said either get rid of the motorcycle or you'll have to live somewhere else. So he gave the motorcycle away. <laughs> good, 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 uh, answer. good answer. Good answer. DJ. So um, <laughs> he, he had the motorcycle. He and I, matter of fact, we took our last r- ride on it together. Aww. And uh, a couple of weeks after that, he gave it away. I cried. But I, I, just, I just wanted to interject that was because when you talk about the motorcycle, it's close to my heart. Yes.
3: and um and we, we miss it even situation. Yes. we did enjoy writing and i people can't understand that and just like yeah um, and it's just, an experience it's
2: experience and then the time i got to spend with my dad it was the our daddy yeah. and daughter time right and precious. so it was precious uh he had the the Harley fat boy, he had the Harley Ford F-150 to put, you know, to put the hitch. I mean, he had the whole thing. It was oh, just man. fabulous. But nonetheless, the story's about y'all, not about me. So anyway, <laughs> so now, Arthur, in in at the end of part one, you were talking about you read the book. You read the book. And so tell and tell us, after you read the book, how did that change the way that either you treated your wife or you fell in love with her again and appreciated what she did?
0: Well, it was both. Um, I uh, didn't realize how, how, how self-centered I had been and how destructive I had been towards our marriage and hearing later that uh, a lot of people in my circumstances when they're in a relationship it sometimes ends because mm. people can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've just been really blessed to have Angela, you know, hanging in there. That was uh, what helped me was that I knew I had made some mis- had some major mistakes, and I needed to correct those things to make an amends for some of the hurts that I had uh, done. So uh, part of my amends was to actually read the book and help Angela with the book, and to go on these. Uh, speaking engagements where we can, where we can, to share with other people our experience, and hopefully they'll get something from our experience that will help them. Especially because these incidents happen, and uh, you don't, you don't know what to do. It's like the whole world's been turned upside down, and there's all kinds of decisions that have to be made very, very quickly. And uh, it just really changed our life.
3: And I'll interject here. One of the things that Arthur did to make his amends to me uh, is he, he held the space for me to have all of my feelings. My I cried. I cried. I cried. I cried. And I was angry. I was angry with him. And I couldn't, you know, we couldn't talk about it when he was in the hospital and the rehabs. But when we finally moved in together 13 months after the accident, and I started writing the book and processing it. It was just like all of the feelings came out and he held the space for me, even if I was angry with him, Mm. uh, because I don't think we shared that. (laughs) At one point I asked him to stop calling his ex-wife and he refused. And then he later asked me for a separation while he's on (laughs) drugs in the hospital. So (laughs) it was just crazy. And he just let me have all of my feelings, you know, so that we could find our way back to each other and um, and and start the healing of, of our marriage.
2: How how did you all discuss and handle the part with the ex-wife? <laughs> how, how did you all? <laughs> Cuz I'm in I'm in, look I'm interested in that. I know the listeners are, so I want to hear how you handle that. Yes.
0: Well, I you yeah. know, like I said, we almost ended our marriage and my, yeah. because of my actions and inactions. And um, it took some time, you know. It, uh,
3: there are a couple of concrete things that happened. One is he acknowledged once his, once he was mentally, you know, he acknowledged. He let me, you know, tell him. And I had a decision to make, and I made it prayerfully. You know, people, people when they read the book, they said, well, why are you still with him after what he did? Mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. Besides the fact that we loved each other and we actually want this to work. You know, God kept telling me to stay. It's going to get better. Just hang in there, you know. But the other thing that happened was whenever this issue of his ex-wife would come up and I would say, you called her a lot. He would say, I didn't call her that much. <laughs> and so I went and ordered the records from Verizon of all the phone calls. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I ordered the records and they sent them to me. And the next time he, we had that conversation, I said, hold, hold on a minute, honey. And I went and got all the records and I gave them to him. And I had highlighted all, all the times he had called. Hey. And, and And he just did this. He's just. And again, he had that moment. And he said to me, I. I didn't know I had called her that much. And I said, could we please now stop having that conversation? Could we it happened. I have proof that it happened. Could could we now stop denying wow. that you called her? So that was a big that was a big um shift. And then and this may be petty, I don't care, judge me. But I, I told him he is not allowed to ever say her name again. They're not allowed to cross your lips. You are never allowed to use her name. Nope. Okay. I think that's fair. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. Hey. Mm-hmm. So that you know, that those were, you know, some of the things that we um sort of negotiated, I guess. You're a great
2: negotiator. I'm gonna have to have you on my team. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you want me on your team. If you are fighting a battle, I am the one you want on your team for
2: sure. I need you on my team. Arthur, when you when you read the book, when did you apologize?
0: Your wife. It was an ongoing process because it was still being written. Yeah. And so I would read some of the chapters and I started apologizing and, and telling Angela that uh, I realized uh, that I had been so self-centered and just unaware of what she was going through and all the different issues that she had, just even trying to get to the, to the uh, hospitals and things up in Baltimore an hour away. And uh, it was a a real struggle for her.
2: Mm. Angela, as you were writing the book and he was reading it, did you ever sit with him while he was reading the book? Or, I mean, did he ever like, um, you know, you're sitting right there, you say, honey, can you review this chapter and just tell me what you think? I mean, did you do it like in real time? I guess that's what I'm trying to find out.
3: No, I usually just typed out printed out the pages and gave them to him and then walked away. Okay. And he's also an amazing writer, by the way. And so I really respected. um, I wanted him to, to look at it for the details that he remembered to make sure that they were accurate. Okay. But, but also he's, he was just really good at editing and saying this, this doesn't make sense here. Maybe you should move this, take this out. Um, But at the same time, as you know, as we've been saying, it was an education for him that these things were coming out, that he he just didn't know any of the details. And he wasn't in a place where he could hear them when they were happening.
0: Did you write the- the- Go ahead. I was I to say of a that's, that's one of the things with being uh, in the bit in the a in bit in a patient is that a was so that a was taking consumed with just taking care of myself that I of not thinking I of not thinking I thought, else, I had to do that to, uh, to be, taken, yeah, to survive.
2: Yeah. Wow.
3: Yeah. But it was, you know, it was a whole new chapter when we moved back in together in our lives. It was a, and it was actually July 4th. So we call that Arthur's independence day.
1: Yeah.
3: His first day in 13 months outside of a medical facility.
2: Yeah. I want to ask you when you were writing the book, was it to heal, or was it to, or, or was it to relieve, str- to you know, to relieve what was pinned up and bottled up?
3: Um, the book was something that had to be written. You know, you hear people say that I couldn't not do it. Okay. I had one of my ways that processing because I am a writer and I've been journaling since seventh grade was to write down in the middle of while it was going on. I would write things down so that kind of got it off my head. And then when it was time and I kept getting this you know you have to turn this into a book. People would say to me, you know, your experience will help other people. Yes. And and ultimately that was a decision that we made to just through the storytelling of the book that people would learn that people would how did we handle grief? How did we handle tragedy? How did our marriage survive? How did, you know, all of these questions. Um, so I was it cathartic? Most people think it was cathartic. I can't really, that, that certainly wasn't my purpose for writing the book. My purpose for writing the book was really always to help other people. And there are still chapters that I cannot read. I cannot read the chapter about my mother leaving without crying. I cannot reread. Yeah, it's very it's very
2: interesting. In the book, Arthur did you add anything personally or uh did you add a chapter or in the next book will you guys write chapters together or individually?
0: Well we didn't write in this book. Um Angela's been sort of pushing me to come up with some different things. They And it's it's an
3: open. I thought of it too late. What I thought would have been really great is if I wrote my experience and then he wrote his experience that we were having at the same time. Yes. But I I mean, the book was way, way um, into its chapters before I had that revelation. But I do think it would be really good for, you know, for people to hear Arthur's side of the story. And he did have input in it. He would say to me, this is how I was feeling at the time. This is what was going on. He would explain those things to me. So I, you know, I think that that's, um, you know, the, the next book. This book stopped. It was really all of the time in rehabs, and then um, the next part is going to be how we how we survived and lived moving in together, um, because that was that was a whole other issue. Both of us being so scared. Who knows how to take care of each other? Like, I don't know how to take care of a paraplegic. He didn't know if I could take care of him. You know, it was a, it was a huge leap.
0: One of the things that happened to me, I had numerous uh, events that, that came up that kept me back in in hospitals and uh, for that first year. And I uh, started to become what's, what they call institutionalized. I um, was so used to having other people taking care of me and uh, not being able to do things like, look, like I couldn't even get out of bed I uh, by myself. I wasn't skilled enough to, um, to do the even physically move things for quite a while and transfer myself in and out of the bed. So I was really highly dependent on the staff of whatever institution I was in at the time. And A- Angela actually came over and was helping me out because some of the caregivers were not in the hospital were not treating me well. Yeah.
3: As available as we well right. yeah.
0: yeah. They were all understaffed. And you sort of get, get in when you can and uh, it created problems with
2: me physically. I've, I've heard. Go ahead. No, no, no. Finish. Finish your story.
3: Um, they were. it's also counterproductive being institutionalized um, he was a fall risk so they didn't want him to become independent so there was no way he was going to become independent being in an institution
0: well, they still, still had me going to PT and OT
3: yeah but you weren't allowed to get in and out of the bed yourself, right. you weren't allowed to get your own lunch, you know you, you still had to have staff you do right. that
2: as a, as a CNA, because I'm still a CNA in school, it hurts my heart every time I hear when someone has said that they're in a hospital or a facility and someone mistreats them. I say that with my eyes closed to keep from crying. Because yeah. for those of us who have a passion for it that go uh, 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 above and beyond it's not fair to us and it's not fair to you guys because everybody out there is not just about the paycheck. Everybody's not about the paycheck. And if you cannot do what you're supposed to do, then get another job. And, and, And because of COVID, everybody is short handed and even before COVID the hospitals and facilities were short handed.
0: But I would just like to say that
2: uh, almost
0: all the CNAs were really, really helpful to me. There was a couple of examples of people who were not. Right. Uh, and one one gentleman, uh, he would come in, and I would ask him, "I would need to get, you know, take care of physically things. I needed to have a change of uh, diaper mm-hmm. and getting cleaned up." And he would come in, and uh, he would go in. So oh, I'm going to get go turn on the hot water, get it running. He'd be in the bathroom for about 15 minutes then come back out and just race through things. And he was in there playing on his, on his uh, cell phone. And, uh, but I couldn't say anything because they weren't going to fire him and he was going to come back and be at my CNA. And I didn't feel comfortable with that. It's been after I'd had some of these show of force kind of things and I didn't want to create a problem. Yeah. So
3: it was. It was bad. I, I said to him, you know, oh, I'll, you know, I'll tell him. And he said, no, it will be worse. It will be worse. Just let it go. He learned to be very compliant, and I learned to go in and be an advocate. You know, I would go in. His sheets would be soaking, sopping wet. I would go into the linen closet and pull out sheets and find somebody to help me change the sheets on his bed. I had to be an advocate for him.
0: It was so important that Angela was coming in because if she were coming in, I probably would never have gotten out of, uh, out of any of these institutions. And um, she pushed me to finally get a lot more independent. And it wasn't until she forced me out of the assisted living by telling me that I really needed to, to get out because it was costing us way too much money. And But I was scared, and I ended up, Hiring a CNA part time uh, for a couple months after we after we moved back in together, yeah. and I just I wasn't sure I could get to, you know, getting in and out of the shower by myself or on and off the toilet.
3: Um, and that was part of my journey was to convince him because I was completely convinced that he could be independent. He was so independent, and that was one of my goals for him was to give him back his independence. And, but you know, we we would argue because he would be afraid. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to put the pot of water on to boil. I may burn. Well, I may burn. So, oh my <laughs> you know, these are the kind of conversations we would have. But I completely believe that he could be independent. And that was my goal for him.
0: Yeah. Angela came up with a lot of different ideas for things like uh, our microwave in the condo we were living in was way up high, so she, we got a, a small microwave and put it on a, a table, and we have dishes out so I can get to those things and I can cook things and I can be taking care of myself Ooh. for <laughs> up to a week by my, you know, yeah. by myself.
3: And I've been to Hawaii. I went to Hawaii for five days, and he stayed by himself. People come and look in on him, but he. It's fine. He can he can do this. And he knows who to go to uh, if he needs help. And and that was really my goal. And that's what I would say to caregivers is, um, especially like, uh, you know, spouses, mother, daughters, not, you know, let them do. They can do more than they think they can. And yes. sometimes they need a little push. Somebody told me that. They said, don't do everything for him. And I heard that
2: exactly exactly I, I i have a client like that now when i first got her she wasn't walking she's walking now and she's walking awesome. more awesome. you know so she's able down to to get up and actually wash her dishes and put her bowl up we know we have the bowls on the, on the lower level yeah. you know you know just the little things right And she's like can you get my bowl, no ma'am you can go get it, it
3: that was the first conversation <laughs> we had the first night he is literally three feet from the refrigerator. And he says to me, Can you go get me a glass of water? And I said to him, Here's a glass. There's the water. Get go, it yourself. Get it. That's it. <laughs> now,
0: now she asked me to get her uh, I
3: I that do. glass of water. <laughs> and he gets me a glass of water.
0: I <laughs> love. Go ahead. But yes, sir. The other thing that I didn't think I was going to be able to drive. And, um, they have a course to learn how to drive with hand controls. Right. And I ended up uh taking that course because Angela pushed me and I had to take a, a driver's test, road test with the DMV, and I hadn't done that since I was 17 years old. Oh, wow. And I did pass it. I was really scared to go take it and did pass it. Now I we have a van that Angela got uh off of the internet that has hand controls in it and I'm able to Drive by myself, go to the store, shop with a little basket on my lap, or ask for help from people in the store or even customers. That was real hard for me to do is ask for help.
2: You know, I'm I'm not even in the position that you are, and I have problems with asking for help. I,
1: Mm. I have to
2: be honest. I do. I do. I mean, I have to literally be like, okay, I can't. I just, I can't. You know, I just I have to say that to myself, but um, we're going to transition into I want you to talk about the book. Yes. The name of yes. the book, where they can get it, your website, all that wonderful stuff. Yay! Mm.
3: <laughs> it's called Better Than Before, one couple's journey after a tragic accident. It is available on Amazon. Um, you can always reach me. I have the com or the Italian Grandmama at gmail.com. So any of those places, if anybody wants an autographed copy, they can reach out to me. (laughs) You got it, Roz. I didn't already send you a copy. I realized that. I just, I feel bad that I hadn't done that. It's okay.
2: We're still friends. We're still friends.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, I had an amazing uh, graphic artist do the cover and it is a portal that she did and oh. Arthur and I love the beach. So here are the footsteps going through the portal, and there is the wheelchair on the beach with the wheelchair tracks.
2: And I, could, a- yeah, I was looking at your one sheet, and I was trying to figure out. I could. It's hard to see on the, you know. Yes. But right. now since you're holding up the book, now I got it. Yeah, yeah. This is so good. Yeah. So I, I,
3: it's um, it's a journey. It's been a journey of love, and labor of love, and a journey of love
2: for sure so we're going to make sure that we put the links to the book and all the way to ways that they can get in contact with you okay they are open for speaking engagements virtually and yeah. in person let me say Absolutely. this yeah. virtually and in person but arthur i want I, I know you have something burning you want to say yeah i was going to say angela
0: has uh, put some resources listed at the back of the book too which okay. are helpful
3: yeah
0: we have people giving us some information along the way and She's added some of these things. Wow. Angela has also joined up some of the different uh, uh, websites for paraplegics Mm -hmm. and others. And and she's able to actually give people help and information. And uh, we've gotten it, too.
3: We help each other. Yeah. It's been wonderful with these Facebook being able to do that. You know, hey, I'm in a panic. We're in a... We're in a hotel room and Arthur can't get into bed. You know, I'm typing on Facebook. What do we do? Somebody said, ask them to move the uh, the bottom box spring.
0: Yeah, they, they
3: didn't know that was an option. And they did.
0: The bed's heights you know, Not you know, too high. Are mm-hmm. And yeah. it, you almost have to be able to do a pole vault to get into the bed. Yeah. And You uh, have
3: to see that's it, really, it's like a Lucy show with him trying to get in the bed and me trying to push him up the bed. It's, if it weren't so serious, it would be hilarious.
2: Well, I want to thank you guys, Arthur and, and Angie, so much for coming on and sharing your, your love story, sharing your triumph, how you guys are now uh, falling in love all over again. That's the way I feel. And I want people to understand, please, ma'am, please, sir, if you want someone to come, not even if, I'm, t- I'm calling you to action to call them out for an interview whether virtually or in person, make it happen because it's worth it. So you're welcome. So once again, I am Ross Jones, uh, the CEO and owner of Jacksonville's Best Caregivers and the producer of the Caregiver Cafe. Thank you so much for dining with us today. And I hope that we have met your taste buds with this interview. I'm Ross Jones. Thank you for listening.
1: Until your next visit to the Caregiver Cafe, connect with Roz on YouTube, LinkedIn, and her blog at thecaregivercafe.net. Caregiver Cafe podcast specializes in serving those who provide care and support to a sick or aging loved one. I'm the voice guy, but I'm one of you. So when Roz has on experts or frontline workers, I'm listening. We hope you've enjoyed the show. In the meantime, don't forget to connect with Roz on YouTube, LinkedIn, or at the blog at the